It is Rebecca Stevenson. She's Senior Journalist at Business Desk and our business commentator today. Uh, Morena, Rebecca. Hi, Catherine. So that CPI figure coming in lower than people had expected, including the Reserve Bank. But as Giles staying there, there's still a long way to go um, before yeah. there'll be confidence Gosh. that, that uh, inflation's tamed. Absolutely. There's, as Giles pointed out really well, so many factors that are playing into it, both here in New Zealand and, of course, globally um, with things that are happening there. And one of the questions that is really up in the air is what is our new government going to look like? Um, Because, as you mentioned, you know, we could see less spending, less government spending that, of course, is going to flow into that inflation figure and perhaps give the Reserve Bank a bit more to chew on um, and potentially that less spending um, going into the economy. So it's really fascinating, isn't it? But I think it's just a nice little relief, isn't it, to see at least that it wasn't um, where people expected it to be. Um, So perhaps some relief there. All right, let's uh, have a look at the election. And the interesting thing is it's not the end of the road. It's going to be the better part of three weeks till we get a set of some sort of certainty around the shape of the government. I don't know uh, whether some indications of uh, in principle agreements might be reached in advance of that or whether we will truly be waiting the full three weeks. How are the stock markets? How are business reacting? Yeah, look, it is overall, I think, a sort of a positive um piece of news for both markets and for business broadly. You know, the experts are saying that the New Zealand share market is likely to rally at least in the short term on news that that National Party will likely lead the next government. And there are some specific stocks um, that have actually been highlighted by industry analysts that they think will do well um, from the direction of this new government. They're talking about retirement village stocks and construction stocks in particular and thinking that they will see evaluation boost um, because of those policies that the sort of centre-right parties have said they're going to put out. Um, So we've got the head of research at Craig Investment Partners, Stephen Ridgewell. He's saying that retirement villages and construction would expect to see a more positive environment for their sectors. Um, In particular, he's highlighting that restoration of interest deductibility for property investors and that shortening or tightening up of the Brightline test as well. Um, He's saying that those changes will support investor demand for houses, which has fallen off a bit since that change in policy that we saw from the Labour government in 2021. Um, Now, interestingly, uh, he has also highlighted that without New Zealand first, he thinks the valuation gains in aged care and housing-related stocks could be larger because he's pointing to whether or not there'll be a foreign buyer ban rolled back and also um, whether minimum wage increases are going to be stopped or slowed back. Um, Increases to the minimum wage, of course, do put pressure on the aged care sector because of the sort of profile of their workforce. Um, And Stephen Ridgewell has said the cumulative effect of six years of strong wage growth has been quite severe on that industry. Um, We've also had Infometrics um, principal economist Brad Olson has said we'll probably see a bit of a stock market rally, but he's pointed to it being limited, saying that it'll probably be overtaken by other events, um, particularly offshore. Now, he has also talked about that inflation data that we've just discussed. Um, He was picking that it was going to show a stronger inflation figure. So it'll be interesting to see how stocks do react to that. Um, You know, that will probably be positive for some stocks. Um, 
We saw Shane Solly at Harbour Asset Management. He says overall, you know, markets will be reacting positively. Um, He says the prospect of a tighter fiscal policy and less government spending could be positive for those fixed income market stocks, while he said the Kiwi dollar may also benefit. Um, Overall, Shane Solly said markets do tend to rally when national wins. But of course, uh, the economy and the New Zealand Stock Exchange as a whole is facing significant headwinds from those high interest rates, which everybody is picking everywhere, is probably going to stay higher for longer. Um, And in another sector, uh, Shane Solly says uh, he feels more upbeat about now is electricity generators. And he did also highlight that retirement village sector. Um, He's saying it's going to be a more business friendly government and they will have a more friendly approach to generation, uh, in particular, I guess, consenting and issues with building new generation. Um, But on the other side, he has highlighted that property companies that are providing office space to the government have already been under pressure and they will just see more pressure because, of course, we could see some cuts to that sector or just, you know, that industry not growing as fast as it has been with less public servants. Um, So really interesting mix um, of commentary about then. And then overall, we saw Westpac's chief economist, Kelly Eckhold, saying that we actually will see just some volatility um, as these negotiations are evolving and the market and investors are reacting to the sort of will they, won't they, um, and what's going to happen with the outcome. But he says, you know, the better than expected performance from national will generally help markets. Um, so one of the things that Westpac economies, uh, economists excuse me, have said um, that markets can kind of rally around is that there's a high degree of commonality amongst those parties that are going to be discussing um, who does what. Uh, there's the idea of tax bracket adjustments, um, easing of those tax obligations um, on property investors, reduce regulatory constraints on farmers, Uh, perhaps some changes with the carbon tax income being redistributed. And also, interestingly, uh, with the CPI data out today, there is this idea of refocusing the RBNZ on inflation control uh, rather than its current dual mandate. Um, All of these things are going to be seen in a positive light by business. Very good. All right. Now, staying with the markets theme, we had a bit of action on the NZX last week, and we don't say that very often. I know, it seems awful, but yes, we have had quite a bit of action happening. Um, We saw SkyShares put into a trading halt last week. The company revealed it had received a conditional, uh, non-binding preliminary expression of interest from a third party, i.e. someone may want to take it over. Sky has kind of been languishing a little bit. Um, We did have some reports about a year ago that there were some private equity businesses interested in taking it over. We don't know who this mystery bidder is, uh, but market sources are telling us that it is some private equity firms um, that were looking at the firm last year are still kicking the tires on that. Um, Now, Sky has conducted a strategic review with investment bank Jardin, and Jardin is going to be working with Sky on this potential sale. Um, We've got the Australian Financial Review saying that the bidder for Sky 
has hired bankers at Rothschild to work on its offer. Uh, so sources are saying that private equity firms would see the current market downturn as a chance to strike and gobble up Sky with an opportunistic bid. Um, so quite interesting to see what's going to happen there. What, um, I'm just trying to think of its current ownership structure. So because you can have those, um, what do they call them when it's uh, an unwanted kind of raid on your shares? Um hostile takeover sort of situation or is this one where where shareholders will vote because it's an interesting one the private equity firms I I suppose I look at look Mm -hmm. at it through the bias of a a journalist and a content maker but um, it doesn't always turn out well for uh, for the core purpose of a company does it Um, so who's going to make the decisions around this uh, look, I do think Sky's board does appear to be interested in in, in this. Um, you know, Sky hasn't had an amazing um, return with its shares lately. I've seen, um, I've seen an argument that it is highly undervalued relative to whatever measure you do. You crunch your numbers, your returns, you come up with a with a with a market value, and that that's one of the reasons for the interest. It is perceived as being undervalued relative to to earnings. Yeah, that's right. So its share price has been around $2.45 and $2.55 this year. And the private equity firms are looking for a calculation. And I'm just trying to find it. I think it's about 30%. Private equity firms typically typically offer a 30% premium on that stock price. And then what they do, of course, is often put debt on the company to finance their acquisitions. And often what you see after these private equity takeovers and the debt has been loaded on is the company can be split up, broken up, and then those bits are sold off um, as the private equity firm looks to make back its money. So at the moment, you know, Sky, because its share price has been lower or suppressed, um, is seen as a potentially a juicy target. Mm. It's an interesting one. It's got a very interesting chief executive at the moment. And, of course, she tried to go down the content-making route and got stopped in her tracks by the shareholders who said no thanks. Uh, It's Mm. got some but not all of the sports, uh, but it's still got some key sports, um, pay-per-view sports on its uh, in its books, and interestingly, she was talking about a little bit more cooperation. I, I think the move to relabel mm-hmm. Prime as Sky Open is a genius marketing move. You're sitting there watching the rugby test free to air on that and thinking, oh, actually, what else could I be enjoying if I buy a subscription? It's um, typically had a lot of issues with long-standing customers mm-hmm. over service, <laughs> and it took a long time to start to rethink its business model, but there have been signs of that happening. Of course, that's not what a necessarily what a buyer's particularly interested in they're they're looking at their returns right yeah look sky is an interesting one you know a lot of us are wedded to sky because as you mentioned you know they do have a lot of those deals of things we want to watch and they have had seen their competitors fall by the wayside you know spark has um, given up trying to compete with sky so if you do want to watch in new zealand some kind of sports sky is your only hope you know you can sort of shop around and buy different sorts of um, packages you know if you want formula one you can buy f1 tv but a lot of consumers don't want to have um, multiple subscriptions to lots of different places so i think from a customer perspective there is still a value offer there. Um, as you've touched on there, there's also still grizzles from consumers. You know, it can be frustrating, a frustrating experience as a consumer using Sky. You know, I sometimes feel annoyed that they don't upload things as fast as I might like on the weekends. Um, but, you know, it's a very competitive industry now um, and there's so many um, other options that are out there. But it does hold on to those sports that yeah. Kiwis 
really Sports love. And the, the other thing it picked up with the former Vodafone customers, I don't know how it's gone with that, but that was my entree full-time to having to deal with Sky, um, having dealt with it through others and heard their endless complaints about packages and everything mm. else. Um, and it, it, it did okay with that transition. It's struggling with its Skybox and the, the Skypods, perhaps a little bit more success. That was what went to the, the Vodafone, uh, former Vodafone customers, of whom there were 100,000. So mm. it's kind of in an interesting stage in its evolution, and the question is whether it will get to complete that or something else will happen. But very interesting, very interesting company and very interesting time for it. Now, Fletcher Building's been having its wobbles not for the first time. What's caused the latest lot? Yeah, again, more excitement on the NZX last week. We saw Fletcher go into a trading halt, um, and it's got what is being termed a leaky pipe issue, but it really is very contentious. How big is the issue and what is it going to cost the company? Um, Fletcher has a unit called Iplex Australia um, that has uh, makes these pipes, and the sort of problems with these leaky plumbing pipes sort of first popped up and originally it was uh, expected to be a $2 million problem. Then in April, Fletcher said, no, actually it's a $16 million problem. And then last week we saw Business Desk Victoria Young break a story with an allegation from a Perth-based home builder, which actually said it was a $1.9 billion issue. Uh, now Fletcher did put its shares into a trading halt so it could respond to those allegations, which are quite serious. Um, now, Fletcher, of course, doesn't agree with what this Perth-based firm BGC is saying. Um, it has maintained that it's not a problem with leaky pipes per se. It says that the problem is the way that the pipes are being installed. So quite a sort of difficult argument there between the two uh, around that issue. Um, BCG has done this report. It has independent experts that say the problem, yes, is the pipes. Um, these pipes are produced in Australia by IPLEX. Now, BGC is saying that an average build would have about 90 metres of this pipe, which would carry hot and cold water. And basically what it's done to come up with this number, it's extrapolated out how much on average of these pipes it puts in its house, how much are bursting each day, and sort of worked out that for it alone, um, the repair price could be Australia $709 million. Uh, Fletcher has told us there are some 30,000 homes in Australia with this pipe fitted. Uh, look, as I mentioned, Fletcher says it's not the pipes. It is the way they're being installed. And it says um, this Perth-based firm's report lacks credibility, relies on flawed methodology, and cannot be relied on for causation. It says it has collected its own evidence from inspections of homes constructed by many different builders and plumbers, and this has conclusively identified significant installation failures in breach of Australian standards, the plumbing code, and installation guidelines. Um, it basically says that IPLEX has been offered access to a fund um, that it could uh, use to remediate some of these problems, um, but BGC has refused to access that. Um, and it basically says, look, everything we've been saying and telling the market is, is true and really does push back very strongly against this allegation from this Perth firm. All right, so I don't know, is it off the court or what? 
Well, it's just been argy-bargy on the market so far. It was really interesting. You know, we saw Victoria put in, Young from businesses, put in these questions to Fletcher and forced it basically to go into a trading halt knowing that this information, you know, was going to come out to investors pretty soon. Um, It took itself, I think, a couple of days. It took quite a while for it to respond and it put out sort of bullet points in a slideshow um, and quite detailed information rebutting this. Um, We're going to have to keep watching the NZX. Thank you very much. Rebecca Stevenson is a senior journalist at Business Desk.